Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenty's Redemption Podcast. We are going to pick up where we left off in our last broadcast regarding worldview issues. And um, we're going to continue on the idea of the term worldview as an anthropological concept. And we're going to kind of dive into some of the cultural classifications and linguistic elements to this. Um, and, and I mean, we've got a lot to talk about there, there's, there, you know, we want to look at a vision of the world and, and ultimately that's what we're trying to define here with the term worldview is a vision of this world and, and the world around us, how you see it, how you perceive it. We're going to look at a few different perspectives. Um, that's what we have in store at the moment. Now, again, I'm going to read a lot. We have a lot to cover. This is still part of the same 4,000 word essay <laughs> uh, that we're going to divide up and try to cover as much of over these next few broadcasts as we can. So thank you for coming along. I hope these this is a help to you. I hope it will improve your ability to witness and and to think through cultural issues that, uh, that, that clearly ha- play a role in our ability to present the gospel and tell people about Jesus Christ. And then then the follow on to that is teaching them the word of God. Um, the, these things are extremely important and helpful to gain an understanding of. So cultural classification systems, the collective actions of individuals lead to the manifestation of cultural norms. Some cultures thrive on individual freedom while others exist under great cultural restraint. Um, that that's an understatement. <laughs> Certain cultures establish a cultural order that must be obeyed. And failure to do so may have significant cultural consequences. And this is, you know, this this was made abundantly true in the the age of COVID nineteen and uh, draconian governmental measures and the just the horrendous decisions that governments all over the world made in light of COVID nineteen. So, um, you know that I, I think what COVID did was it probably expose or reveal to a lot of people that their cultural boundaries or cultural backgrounds probably aren't as clearly defined as they thought they were. Um, 
you know, we, we have this illusion in America that we live in a free country. <laughs> now, unfortunately, it is probably still the most free country um, in terms of the combination of the freedom you have to live and to be yourself alongside the rule of law. Um, that, that balance is probably still the greatest in America. That that's, that's certainly arguable. Um, you know, in a lot of countries you have more freedom to do what you want, but you have no protection under the law. And so while you might exercise your freedom, you could randomly, uh, for, for little to no reason at all, have, have those rights stripped from you by just a small group of people. You don't have the the protection of your freedom that we have in America. That's an important combination. You know, some people, they travel to different countries and they say, I feel like I'm more free here than I am in America. Well, you, you might be at the moment. Um, so that, that, but that, that is a degrading concept in America, that balance between freedom and protection under the law. Uh, you have large groups of people in your country who are trying their best to use the law against you. They're trying to, it's a collectivist mentality, socialism, communism, um, progressivism, liberalism, and, and not the liberalism of old that that wanted to protect people's rights. The modern day form of liberalism demands you do what they say or or else they strip you of your identity, your rights, your whatever. They'll, they'll take it all from you. Um, they're, they're, that's, so, that's the Soviet Union. That's Pol Pot. That's Mao. That's communist China. That's um, th- that's what they're trying to, that's the, the worldview they're trying to form in America. And we found out recently that we're probably far too close to that becoming a reality. They were probably excited to find out they've made so much progress. Uh, it was a wake up call to those of us who, who enjoy the freedoms we have and would like to continue to be able to live in a free and prosperous country that, that allows us the, the liberty to, to serve and worship God as we see fit, well, that, that's diminishing rapidly. And so these things need to be considered and taken very, very, very seriously. Knowing the direction of cultures we engage in is good before making unforgiving mistakes. We, we cannot take our respect, my individual American rights mentality to a collectivist society they do not believe and may not and may even abhor the idea of individual rights. That might be a bad word in some countries <laughs> or a bad phrase. Uh, now, then there's an, a linguistic element. Um, one means available to foreigners to gain a deeper understanding of a foreign culture is to learn their language, uh, but not just the language. You want to consider their word choices and phraseology and the way they say things and how they respond. Different languages denote different views of the world. One could say there are at least as many views of reality as there are languages. And that's an interesting concept to think about. And the foundational reality of this fact could not be any more true. Sundry forms of thought are associated with divers, divers uh, languages. So the language plays a massive role in shaping the culture, the way they talk, uh, word choices are so interesting in different cultures. Um, the way you use, you know, a word in your society, in your culture, in your family, in your home, and then the way it's used in, you know, somewhere else, 
it's very different. And it, and it's so interesting to consider and think about, um, you know, here learning, learning the language here in Luganda or in Uganda, the Luganda language, um, it, it is unnecessarily, it is an unnecessarily complex language. Um, the, the very, the, the, the rules to the grammatical structure and the use of their terminology, they are, they're incoherent. It's like the grammatical structure is fighting against the language. And, um, they have these grammatical rules, but no one uses them <laughs> or they use them as they see fit when they see, when they, when, when they decide to do so. Uh, so it's, it's, it makes learning the language very complex. The way that they change a word, are, are, you know, so, so you have the stem word, and one of the examples I always use is the word dukkha, which means run. And if you want to say, I run, the word nze means I or me, you can't say nze dukkha, which means you would think I run. They, they, they have to modify the word, the pronoun has to modify the word, and then the word is further modified depending on uh, how far you want to run, uh, if it was past, present, or future, if it was uh, past or near past or far past, if it was future, near future, or far future, <laughs> the word gets modified. So just to say, I run in Luganda, just just that basic phrase, the word gets changed to say from from. Inze and duka, they 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 combine them together, and the word becomes inziruka. <laughs> and so, if you don't get a decent grasp of the grammatical structure of Luganda before learning Luganda, you'll have no idea what's being said because the words become so heavily modified, and and some of them are so modified that they're unrecognizable. Uh, not you wouldn't even come close to understanding. What was being said if you did not realize or memorize that this word gets changed in this way based on the grammatical structure of and the way it's being used? Um, even numbers in Luganda, the numbers are changed based on the way the number is said, the way you pronounce it, it's changed based on the noun class. Well, they have 10 noun classes. You know, it and, and I'm not aware of any other language that changes uh the, the numerical value, the way it's pronounced, the way it's used, you know, the, the number is the number, you know, you, you don't, how do you modify a number? <laughs> it's a number. And, uh, so it's, and then, you know, the way that they, they use words in, a, in English, we say, play the piano. Well, in Luganda, they would say, beat the piano. Everything, everything you do, uh, typing, we would say type on your computer, well, they, they might say, beat the computer. Uh, if, you, if you want to tell someone to call you, you would say, beat the phone. In other words, dial the number. <laughs> and so it, it's so interesting. And until you start seeing these, their use of their terminology, it, it's a little more difficult to fit in and to, to really understand. Uh, and, and now if you take look at this, if you look at the same ideas I just brought to you between English and Luganda, and you bring that to the Bible. And so we, we have ma large numbers of people who refuse to concede to the idea that God gave us a perfect Bible or, or an unbelievably accurate Bible in the English language 
in the KJV, the King James Bible. And so what they say is you got to go back to the originals, which there are no originals. They don't exist. And what they actually mean by that is you've got to go back to their preferred Greek text. Okay. If you're Westcott and Hort, if you're of that branch, then they want you to go back to, you know, this, you know, the, 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 um, Alexandrian base text. And, um, if you're, if you're more of a, a Bergen fan or, or, you know, you, 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 your lineage comes from Bible believing, uh, Christians, then you're going to go back to the, the Antiochian text, which will take you to the, the Textus Receptus. But then again, you have another problem, which Textus Receptus? There were at least 19 editions of the Textus Receptus made by, uh, you can go from Erasmus to uh, Biza to, um, uh, I forget the other gentleman's name, then you go all the way down to the Elsevier brothers. Uh, which Textus Receptus are you talking about? And the one that the King James translators used was Beza's uh, third edition, I believe. So so then I, I assume you mean Beza's third edition, if, if, if that's what you're going to go back to. And, and they don't do that. What they do is they pull out a Strong's Concordance and they just look up a Greek word. Well, how do they use that word? It's, you're going to have the same problem that you have going from English to Luganda. There's a way that Luganda speakers use certain terminology. And if you don't know how they use those words, you're going to make, you're going to make yourself look silly uh, trying to determine the proper use of certain words. So if first of all, you don't know Greek. If you did know Greek, you need to you need to then gain an understanding of the cultural use of a certain word. That's why, as you go through uh, the New Testament text, if you try and look up a certain Greek word, you'll find out you'll you'll find out that word was translated into different English words based on the context and and what was being said in a particular portion of the Bible. Well. You don't have that if you if you do not have that cultural background and the proper use of these words. So if you don't have that understanding, you're just you you don't know what you're doing, and so you're you're compounding the problem. You, You don't believe God gave you a perfect Bible in English, which you should. The King James Bible. There is no valid argument against it. So it it would be better for you to concede that idea and then teach that book to an English-speaking group of people rather than compounding the problem by convincing them they don't have God's word in English. But you, the preacher, the pastor, the teacher, you're going to go back with your very limited knowledge of Greek because you took two semesters of Greek in college, And you're going to tell them what this word or that word should have been based on, based on what exactly? Your knowledge of, of translating a language, I'm certain, does not compare to the collective knowledge of the most brilliant assembly of sco- linguistic scholars the world has ever seen, the men who translated the King James Bible. And so if your knowledge and understanding does not compare to theirs, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to follow you and what you have to say. I'm going to stick with the men who knew what they were talking about, who knew what they were doing, and who God used in a mighty way to produce a book that has greatly altered the face of the world <laughs> in, in numerous ways and uh, just has had an influence unlike any other. Uh, I would encourage you to stick with that. I'm going to stick with that. And and so these are, again, these, these, are, these are worldview problems and issues that we need to 
hash out and think about and work through. So um, now, you know, the idea of a vision of the world from societal rank order to culture to Weltanschauung and then world outlook, these all move us closer to landing on the realities of our topic worldview. The evolution of this terminology helps us discern the potentially universal ways in which people view the universe. How can we classify and understand their outward look at the world around them? Their worldview is key to gaining this understanding. Grasping this means the missionary may potentially understand the proper approach to ministering to the sundry peoples of diverse cultures. An individual's worldview will explain how he sees himself concerning the society around him and the world at large. That's so important. We don't have to individualize this on every individual basis, but if you can gain a a basic understanding of how individuals within a certain society view themselves in light of the world around them, their society, their family, who are they, what is the role of that, if you you can get within those if you can generally understand that, it'll greatly enhance your ability to, to minister to people. I often like to ask Ugandans, what do you think about uh, what America is doing here, what America is doing there? Uh, what do you think about what Uganda's president said the other day? Um, what, do you think, what do you think the future of Uganda holds? I want to know what they think about those things. I need to understand how they view those things. I have my own opinion, but... Uh, the cultural gap between my thinking and their thinking, uh, it provides great insight into my understanding when I take the time to under, you know, what do you think about the war in Russia? What do you think about what Putin is doing? What do you, you know, from, from a Ugandan's perspective, how, what do you, how do you see these things? And you'll be surprised at how they view these things and where their, where their perspective is, 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 is formed and then it allows me opportunity to then influence their thinking. Hopefully from a, obviously from the, the goal is from a biblical perspective, I don't need to change their, their politics. The Bible will do that. You know, you, in America, again, as an example, you can't be a Democrat and a Christian. It's not possible. Um, if you are attempting to do so, You've got very serious. You're seriously confused in many ways, and and you need to you need to regroup and be regrounded. Um, you you don't understand what you're doing or what's going on if if that's the case. So when but when you allow someone to divulge to you from their perspective how they see these things. Well, now that I kind of understand a little bit about your thinking and how you view these things, now I can effectively minister to you and I can help from a biblical perspective, help you reframe, reshape your ideas regarding the world and, and what's going on around us. So um, it's, it's just, it's important to, to understand these things. This is the foundation to understanding man's idea of the universe. We must know this will also lead us to know a man's understanding of eternity. Men, women, and children are subject to their worldview, yet they must exist among large groups of people who may view the world differently. Even so, despite these wild differences that can exist from one worldview to another, as we branch out from family to village, 
to town, to city, country, continent, etc., there are certain universal aspects of the collective worldview that must exist or people fail to coexist. Um, we don't want to be like the world, but we don't want to be so contrary to, to the world around us that we cause it to collapse. So we have to learn how to exist within the world around us as Christians, not violate the word of God, but not, <laughs> not cause societal collapse. Um, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> That's not helpful. That's that's essentially what happened with the Reformation. Uh, the the change was so you know so wild and and so vivid that it caused essentially you know civil war, and um, some of it was for good reasons, some of it was for very bad reason because the the Protestant Reformation took on a very political uh, a strong political aspect that that is unnecessary. Um, we're not looking to gain political power. We we want people who believe the Bible in power, but we're not looking to gain political power. You know that that's the, the separation between church and state. It go it runs both directions. We don't want to control the state, and we don't want the state controlling us. Um, they need to exist side by side, and 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 the state's responsibility is to provide an overall blanket of individual protection for every individual citizen and the, the, the religions, you know, responsibility, if you will, um, is to minister to people and, and to exist under the freedom provided us to be able to do that. So these, these are important concepts that, that again, we've, we've got to look into, we've got to think through while these universals and absolutes should be acknowledged they should also be considered somewhat dynamic, at least within reason. Of course, of course, this is true of an overarching worldview such as society or country. But as a, as Christians, we prefer a far more static view of our universals and absolutes. While there are many, while there while there may be some variance in our collective worldview, the absolutes do not change. Women are always women; they cannot transition to men. Nor can they claim to be some gender-neutral, non-binary creature. Well, I guess they can claim it, but but no one should take it seriously. You, you should understand that person is is mentally ill and emotionally unstable. There should be no credence, or or um, you should in no way give in to this this confused garbage that has engulfed our world. Um, you should be willing to, you should be ready and willing from a biblical perspective to stand against these things. And it's not, that's not happening. And, and that's clear because a tiny minority of very confused and mentally ill people are gaining rapid, rapid control in our world. Um, that's, that should not be. So be bold, stand up, tell the truth. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be rude, uh, but you do need to tell people the truth. That comes across as mean or rude, and it's not. If you love somebody, you'll tell them the truth. If you hate somebody, you're not going to tell them the truth, and you'll cater to their confusion. Don't do that. Uh, I have children that need to grow up in this world. I need you to help me tell people the truth from the Word of God before they get thrown into concentration camps because they refuse to believe that a man can call himself a woman and have babies. We're at a we're in a ridiculous time right now, and it's because of a lack of truth and a lack and, and a and a lack of uh, you know people willing to stand up for the truth. 
And so I, I hope that's not you. These ideas are at odds with reality, and more specifically, they are at, at odds with biblical truth. No matter how green the hair, choosing to live at odds with God and reality will damage the individual and society. It is sad to see this play out in real time as Western cultures toy with the devastating consequences of their conflict with reality. It's not going to end well for, the, for, for Western society. It's going to destroy it. Uh, now, to some extent, it seems that that might be the goal of, of some of these individuals, and um, they will be successful. You know, it's, that's, it's Balaam. It's Balaam all over again, it, just in a slightly different format. You're just using sexual perversion to, to cause the total corruption of a society and eventually the total collapse of that society. Um, why you would want to do that when you are a member of that society is beyond me, but that is what they want to do. And the, 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 the way to combat that is to preach the gospel, first of all, and then confront this confusion with God's word. Not, it's, not, it's not a political battle. You see, po- politics is where moral issues are applied on a large scale. And so that, that's, our, that's our problem. Um, we don't want to be completely devoid of our participation in politics, but politics are not the solution. You know, politics, in many cases, is part of the problem. You have unsafe people governing unsafe people and safe people. And uh, the people we want to win are the people who will just leave us alone and allow us to have the liberty necessary to, to worship God, to go to church, to preach the gospel, both publicly and house to house. And churches, for the most part, who claim to believe the Bible, they're just not, they're not doing that. They're not preaching the gospel publicly or house to house. Uh, they just kind of exist, and um, that their existence is is empty. It's vain. It's void. It, it, there's nothing to it. Um, you know, they might they might go door knocking on a Saturday for you know an hour, but they're not going to go publicly with the gospel. They're not going to go stand up and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in a in a public domain in a public forum um, because they're terrified of being made fun of or laughed at or or any number of of issues that they really should not be concerned about. It, what is desperately needed are people who will go and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ and tell people what he did for them and tell them why. It's not enough to just say Christ died for you. No. Christ died for your sins and was buried and rose again the third day. Now, that's not an easy message to go and preach, but it's right and it pleases God. If you desire to see any real change in your society, wherever that may be, in your family, in, in your city, your town, your village, your, your country, it's going to start with the gospel public and and clear presentation of the gospel not going out in the streets and calling women who dress like a harlot calling them a harlot that's that's not they don't have a clue what you're talking about they have no holy spirit they have no word of god they have no understanding of what you're talking about 
when you want to go out and and mock the way they're dressed. Now, you know, if if a, if you're standing out publicly preaching the gospel and a woman dressed like a harlot walks by and she begins mocking Jesus Christ, have at it. <laughs> Let her have it. Give her what she's asked for. But if your aim is to mock the way someone is dressed in the hopes that they will trust Jesus, I don't, I don't understand how you got there. That's not how it works. It, it, it's, it's, by the pre, it's by the preaching of the cross that God, it pleased God to save those who believe through the preaching of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's desperately needed in every town, city, village, country, house, everywhere. That's why the admonition, that's why the command is to go and preach the gospel to every creature. Not to talk about how they're dressed, not to talk about about how they're living. They don't understand those things until they have the Holy Spirit inside of them after salvation. Now you can address the the sinful condition in their life. But apart from that, they have no idea what you're talking about. You're you're trying to speak Greek to English English speakers (laughs) and call it the word of God. Uh, it's, It's confusion. Preach the gospel. Tell people about Jesus Christ. In the process of doing so, Take the time to learn the best way to minister the gospel to this people or that people. There there are some standards. Preach the gospel publicly. And then there are some ways we can take our time and do it right. Thank you for listening. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.